0: Hello, welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh. It's about to go down down, right now, right now, right now, right now, 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 now.
0: Open your heart and your mind Porniness is on the rise Look inside and you will find this is not a crime Open your heart and your mind, and your mind. Cause
1: the numbers don't lie Observe the nerds, you shot them, call them lie. Yeah. An overcrowded nation Leads to sex frustration All your legislation
0: you know ever since i made that track my ringtone i've really been getting a lot of attention around town sup pimp reese hendrick here host of science factual welcome to the southland gonna have to check your interstate travel visa for any marks and your cavities for any vials of fluid karma looks like your cavities are all clear so why don't we jump right into this episode on the wonderfully weird movie southland tales which comes as a suggestion from guest comedian and fellow tall guy liam riddell now whether you're like liam and you actively search out weird movies and love this one or you're more like me who loves to stumble across weird movies and hadn't seen southland tales before it was suggested to me this spoiler alert spoiler alert is for you and the person behind you who looks an awful lot like you. There's a lot going on with this film, and since there's no time like 69 minutes from now, why don't we get a grip on the background of Southland Tales before the interview segment with Liam and the facts section to follow. Southland Tales is a 2006 dystopian dark comedy thriller film written and directed by Richard Kelly. The film features an ensemble cast, including Dwayne Johnson, Sean William Scott, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Mandy Moore, and Justin Timberlake. Original music was provided by Moby, and although he always refuses such collaborations, Moby did the film's score because he was such a big Donnie Darko fan that he couldn't resist Richard Kelly's offer to work on the project. The remainder of the soundtrack is pretty good, too. Southland Tales is one of the very few films to use narration correctly and one of the only films to successfully blend period music with new music. While Donnie Darko was grounded in the alt-rock of the 1980s, here the music cues are more versatile, with more familiar elements such as Wendy Carlos' score to A Clockwork Orange as an influence, as well as the original music score by the aforementioned Moby. There are chapter headings named for The Pixies, and Jane's addiction lyrics have crept into dialogue and inspired a plot point. The Section Quartet and Rebecca Del Rio perform the best rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner since Hendrix, and Central to the film's coda is a Busby Berkeley-esque music video for The Killers' All These Things That I've Done, lip-synced by Justin Timberlake and turned into a phantasmagorical allegory about PTSD. It is as much Dr. Strangelove meets Repo Man as it is Network meets Showgirls, but only if the former were envisioned by Philip K. Dick and the latter witnessed by Hunter S. Thompson. The title refers to the Southland, a name used by locals to refer to Southern California and the greater Los Angeles area. Set in the then near future of 2008, the film is a portrait of Los Angeles and a satiric commentary on the military-industrial complex and the infotainment industry. Despite being critically and commercially unsuccessful, the film has developed a cult following in later years. In 2021, Kelly announced that there are developments to expand the film into a franchise. Kelly wrote Southland Tales shortly before the September 11th attacks. The original script involved blackmail, a porn star, and two cops. After the attacks, however, Kelly revised the script. He said the original script was more about making fun of Hollywood, but now it's about, I hope, creating a piece of science fiction that's about a really important problem we're facing, about civil liberties and homeland security, and needing to sustain both of those things and balance them. He described the film as a quote tapestry of ideas all related to some of the biggest issues that I think we're facing right now. Alternative fuel or the increasing obsession with celebrity and how celebrity now intertwines with politics. With the film's premise of a nuclear attack on Texas, Kelly wanted to take a look at how the United States would respond and survive while constructing a great black comedy. Kelly's breakthrough film Donnie Darko was released in the United States on October 26, 2001, the same day the Patriot Act was signed. Kelly said Southland Tales will only be a musical in a postmodern sense of the word in that it is a hybrid of several genres. There will be some dancing and singing, but it will be incorporated into the story in very logical scenarios as well as fantasy dream environments. Kelly said the film's biggest influences are Kiss Me Deadly, Pulp Fiction, Brazil, and Dr. Strangelove, which I'll absolutely be covering later this year. an astonishingly good idea there, Doctor. Thank you, sir. He called it a strange hybrid of the sensibilities of Andy Warhol and Philip K. Dick. The film often references religious and literary works. A policeman, played by John Lovitz, it's a great role, says Flow My Tears in reference to a PKD novel of that name. Taverner is the name of the main character in the same book and suffers identity problems of his own. Pilot Abilene, played by Justin Timberlake, quotes biblical scripture from the Book of Revelation in narrating the film, and allusion is made both to Robert Frost's The Road Not Taken, stopping by woods on a snowy evening, and an altered version of T.S. Eliot's The Hollow Men southland tales was initially planned to be a nine-part interactive experience with the first six parts published in six 100-page graphic novels that would be released in a six-month period up to the film's release the feature film comprises the final three parts of the experience or at least in its original format a website was also developed to intertwine with the graphic novels and the film itself the idea of six graphic novels was later cut down to just three the novels were written by kelly and illustrated by brett Waldell. Kelly wrote them while making the film and found it very difficult as it pushed him to, quote, the edge of my own sanity, as he remarked in an interview. The whole series breaks down like this. Part one is called The Roads Diverge, which was released on May 25th, 2006. Part two is called Fingerprints, released on September 15th of the same year. And part three is called The Mechanicals, released on January 31st of 2007. They've since been collected together into one single volume called Southland Tales, The Prequel Saga, which spans about 360 pages by Graffiti Designs. The titles of the parts in the film are Part 4, Temptation Waits, Part 5, Memory Gospel, and Part 6, Wave of Mutilation. As of 2013, Richard Kelly still considered this his proudest accomplishment, calling it his, quote, misunderstood child, which is perhaps an understatement. In January 2021, Richard Kelly announced that developments are underway to expand the film into a franchise, with the intent being that the original cast returns. The filmmaker explained that the original film is chapters 4 through 6, while a prequel project will explore chapters 1 through 3, with intentions being to do so through an animation medium, while additional projects can explore events that take place in 2024. Kelly later expressed regret in releasing the latter chapters first through the original film, stating that this placed the audience at a disadvantage. The filmmaker stated that discussions are ongoing as to whether the project should be released as films or in a long-form format through a streaming service. I'd definitely be interested in reading and or watching the entire series in its intended order. Now that you're no more up to speed on Southland Tales than you were before the episode, how's about that interview with Liam Riddell? We met up at the Suki's mic to talk about the deliciously weird film, so hopefully this will clear things up for you. But probably not. Yeah, well, uh, Gene has a very professional setup. Uh, Gene DeWeber, of course, of Obsessive Comic Disorder. Oh, are you are getting into it. I like it. Ready. Oh yeah, you yeah, like, you like how we're just doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're doing the podcast. Yeah, that's what's going on now. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're uh, we're sat here in the in what I like to refer to as the mobile studio, folks. The voice you hear other than my own, this is Liam Riddell. It's it's me. Do you did, did I say that correctly? Yeah, like, no, that's... it's just an, it's a really exotic name, so I. Uh, far, wanna... far
1: away wanna... in Ireland, yes, yeah. Yeah, Liam Riddell.
0: Well, the Irish have been slighted enough, if you ask me.
1: I, <laughs> I always tell people, so best way to remember my name is it's a uh, male spelled backwards. Mm. And then Riddell is get rid of a Dell computer. Also, my middle name is Camus. So Albert Camus.
0: Oh, yeah. The yeah, the stranger.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I read. So it's L-C-R. I read. I don't believe it. Now with those glasses, LCR, which is left, center, sure. right. Left, center,
0: right. That's some, that's actually that's, you, that's, really what I that's why,
1: why, yeah. I have a whole
0: funny bit. You need mnemonic devices still to remember your own name. I am very lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very lonely. I believe that. Is it my
1: smile that gives it away? Damn.
0: <laughs> it's just your general affect and, like, total personality. Yeah, it's uh, so, a shell. <laughs> uh, so, Liam, before we get started into things, what is your Instagram? How can we find you on the Instagram machines?
1: Okay, so, yeah, I got one last year just to do, like, comedy stuff. I have some personal stuff on there, but it's Irish Mailman Comedy. That mm-hmm. uh, goes down because I'm Irish, mm-hmm. and then males put backwards mm-hmm. black comedy, and so yeah. Even looking up Liam riddell you'll see it on there, and I've got some clips that I'm really happy with, and there'll be more uh
0: very soon. Yeah, because yeah. you're you're down in Salem. Yep. So you haunt Infinity Room frequently. Yeah,
1: yeah, I haunt over there, and then I'll come up here to Portland every once in a while, and. Yeah, hopefully like I know, I'm gonna be hitting up Eugene here soon and I'm yeah. more into it.
0: Yeah. Eugene is rad. Um yeah, I've definitely seen you up here in Portland a lot. You're also my fellow tall guy. Yeah. How tall are you? I'm six foot six.
1: Oh why do we look the same height? I'm six four.
0: No, that's not possible. Yeah, I'm six four. Yeah. I also I slouch. Me too. Huh. That's weird because we we're just standing
1: next to each other and we could kiss.
0: Yeah. And we could wink 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 well like, <laughs> it not did but like yeah no so i will have to go back to back because like when i fully erect myself and that. you'll you'll you know experience that after the interview but like <laughs> when i fully engorge myself uh you know i i'm very much uh six foot six because we did that at thanksgiving i have another tall you know, de facto family member mm-hmm. and we had a tall off as Dude, one
1: that's yeah. pretty much like cock so fighting, t- dude. So it's
0: intense. so true. Dude, so
1: I might as well throw money down for a bet. Seriously, yeah, because my father's uh, six five because he's done the shrinking edge, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, I remember when I was a kid, my dad's like, "You're gonna be taller than me," because my mom's brother, my uncle, is six nine. Mm-hmm. So just tall. That's a fun height. That's a, just a tall. Yes, six died. Yeah, uh, minus him being so thin that he looks like he's addicted a to crack minus that but the height is tight
0: see i i'm very lucky as a tall person because i'm proportional right like i'm just a taller bigger version of a person could very easily go lanky could very easily go into like ben kissel territory there you go from last podcast other yeah. fellow tall man which is fine love my big tall brothers
1: i just um, started listening to the last podcast because my recent act. she was like don't you to listen to it and then uh and very right, classic right. yeah. well and she's also a very classic white woman where she was just like she asked me when i was born what like moon you know type uh, of shit and then mm-hmm. loves or she's like oh i'm just gonna turn on true crime and whenever i'm like oh you are like turn that shit on she goes Oh, just let me be a white woman, okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, true crime podcasts are very, uh, it's part of, like, the, the basic package for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I I can I can dig that. Yeah, it's fun. So, Liam, how did you get started at stand-up comedy?
1: There's Chad Johnson in Salem who runs the, like, Dan Open Mic and a bunch of stuff, the Bad Space right now. Yeah, definitely. Feeling it it. Yes. Oh, my God. Kyle Kinane is coming down. Yeah. I did a show down there where I opened up for like Kyle Adams and Jaron George and it nice. was great.
0: They just got back on like, a trip to New York. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, they're And it
1: Kyle's Kyle's already down to San Francisco.
0: Dude, Kyle is like skyrocketing. He's like, crushing so funny. It's, like he was killing it, yeah. but he went out to New York. Like he's really on the up and up. Like, oh, he's been yeah. doing comedy for eight years now and it not only does it show, but like he's getting called up to the majors. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, awesome to see.
1: It's it's so funny. It's like it's even like having conversation with and Dale and she's just like I've been doing comedy for 10 years. I'm like, oh, man, I can I see it. You're amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm only a year in, you know. And so, but um, Chad was like, let me try, try. I was like, oh, I'm more of a just a conversationalist, like sure. with bouncing back and forth.
0: Yeah. And then there is a difference between funny in conversation and funny on stage. For right. Sure. It's, yeah.
1: it's a whole different game. Yeah. A whole different <laughs> game. And I finally went, OK, fuck it. I'm going to do this. I thought I did all right, and he was like, yeah, you did, you did great, and I just kind of was the wind of the sails type of thing, and then four months later, you know, the whole COVID shut down. I had to focus on my business, and I just didn't really have any, like, exciting new things. I was just, I, I mean, i sure I could talk about customers, but I was so, like, down and sad from, yeah. like, so much stress I didn't care. And then my longtime girlfriend left me and— during the same week, I decided to go to the mall and get some shoes, and a mall shooting happened when I was there. When I was there, Whoa. and I really didn't care, and I did like weird Facebook, almost like tweet updates, and people were like, "Dude, you should put this on stage because." This is ridiculous. Wait, were,
0: were you went on game? live tweeting the, the, like the, the ball shooting?
1: Yeah, I, I, was, I, I was stuck in a back office of a famous footwear, and uh, I told the manager, the two customers, and the other employee, I'm so sorry, this is my fault. And they panicked, and I said, well, I said this week couldn't get any worse. And so they're <laughs> like, oh, this guy's unhinged. uh so i
0: solid material yeah
1: so i had a whole bit from there like try it, try it and so yeah it's been about a year since then where i did it and i was like now now i truly say it's been like a year because i feel like those four months were a little like baby steps and now i i love it I I'm a big fan of just being up on stage, but not having to memorize lines like uh, plays and stuff like that, that I feel like that's really stressful for me. And I like to write my own stuff and I can tweak it as I go. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I think you're funny. I've, I've heard you have many mics and yeah, you have maybe chuckle on more than two occasions. I can do a chuckle or two. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, before we go any further, let me ask you, is, is the car is it? Are you comfortable right now?
1: The car is actually is pretty adequate? comfortable yeah okay well so i'm a tall boy just like you and which i i still don't trust cars no matter what even right. if you're tall of course because i i am looking for a new car right now mm-hmm. and during that time i wanted to check out like a prius or something and as soon as i got in the guys are get out you're too tall like yeah. i am very much like Oh, cars aren't built for me. Be- because I'm all legs. I am two-thirds leg, one-third body. So uh, I'm a very weird
0: yeah. proportion. Type I've got legs, too. Are, what are you, a 36 inseam?
1: God, I want to say, like, so yeah, 36, 38.
0: This is great radio. Heck
1: yeah, all I guess right. we're going to talk about. <laughs> all right. We're going to talk about.
0: Why don't you? Why don't you take those pants off? Right. <laughs> we're going to be in those pants. All right, just pop those pants off. All right. Uh, so <laughs> this is great radio. So uh, all right, moving forward. Uh, what was your first exposure to science fiction?
1: Oh my gosh. So when I was a kid, my dad loved Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. So it's Twilight Zone and uh, Blade Runner. Nice. And then my business partner down at Craftworks, the baron, his favorite uh film is fifth element and he even named his son corbin dallas sick that is his all-time favorite movie die hard no question about it We're die hard there you go uh, oh, that's uh, uh, and uh, so
0: so uh, uh, yeah rip uh, and... i thought that guy's i mean his career is down yeah, like, still sad it's still not sad dead, yeah uh,
1: he's a meat popsicle uh no
0: <laughs> hey. are we all
1: yeah but yeah it was it was pretty much it was honestly it was twilight zone it's a yeah. thing i really loved that style like writing and then like blade runner was for a long time my favorite science fiction even like star wars is fine it has a lot of problems in my opinion so i was just kind of like oh it's good i was just so stuck on blade runner mm-hmm. and then i never became a star trek kid i i still am not i just i've never been a star trek
0: person did you, did you read do Androids Dream of electric sheep yeah okay yeah. Dick. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, you got a healthy dicking as well so well, I mean, I mean,
1: well and it's crazy that he got famous after he died
0: uh no I, I would say that he uh, okay perhaps more ubiquitous but pKd had notoriety during his time I would say at least yeah. within like the circles of hardcore sci-fi nerds yeah, people knew who he was, but I, I i guess he did gain more mainstream fame posthumously, sure, yeah.
1: But you and my dad would get along with the big words that you like to say. Oh. The, the loquacious oh, and yeah. ubiquitous <laughs> <laughs> and all this. <laughs> he like Kevin Hart and uh, was a 40-year-old where he's oh, yeah. uh, like, <laughs> these are big words. And uh, since I don't know him, I take it with <laughs> a sign of disrespect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's
0: such a good scene. Yeah, it is, that's great. It's a really good scene. So, where, how did you first hear about Southland Tales? Because you told me about Southland Tales.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because Richard Kelly for he Donnie did Darko. Darko. Yeah, and that's such a big cult following.
0: And also, World's Greatest Dad.
1: Yeah, he, well, that that wasn't uh, the director was Bobcat Goldwait, right?
0: Yes, but yeah. but, uh, but Kelly was involved yeah. in it, and I, but I would say that's my favorite property by him, more so than Donnie Darko. or World's or Greatest Dad is so good it's so brutal
1: it is my that okay there are, i believe that there are two very underrated robin william films and it's that one and one hour photo
0: oh dude one hour photo is perhaps my favorite run. Yeah, oh, those, Like
1: the people will think of you know what is it dead Boat society and watch yeah, adams and stuff yeah me like those are the first two i think of what dreams may come yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah even people going uh big hard on for jumanji i will still always say one magic box it, it does but i would always say one hour photo and mm. world's greatest set world's greatest set i think we also got to see robin Williams at his like quintessential of his like acting form when he discovered his son dead yeah, and him crying yeah, and holding him oh, that scene so- is like incredible incredible
0: it, it rips yeah. me every time that yeah. and when jude law gets in the incinerator in yeah. attica oh that's another yeah. scene that also always gets me yep there 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 that's there's like a top five list i would say that the scene where robin williams finds his dead son and then like starts oh, to arrange him in a way that wasn't like all david caradini you know? yeah and, you're and, right oh god oh it's so fucking brutal sorry you were so you were saying something yes, that
1: so <laughs> I love Diane Darko. I was I used to be such a fucking Oscar snob, and I actually hate myself for it, how much I was an Oscar snob. I hate you for it. Yeah, I, uh. because you honestly like compare me to like ten years ago. Man, I don't want to see movies like *Fast and the Furious, nine and ten. I don't want to watch *John Wick*. And now I'm like, fuck yeah, love well, it. Just sometimes it's just fun.
0: Like, I don't wait, know if we can put oh, Fast and the Furious franchise in with John okay. Wick, because well, John Wick Fox. Well, so it up. Like, okay, I
1: mean, John Wick is the best action franchise in history. It's the best I can't wait for John Wick 4. I genuinely can't wait. Yeah. But I cannot put away that Fast 5, excellent Hobbs and Shaw's excellent... I yeah. I have a great time with them. I got exactly what I want from them. Type of thing, you sure. know. Okay, you yeah. go in knowing what you want. Yeah, John Wick will actually just be better in general. Right. What was it? It was around the time when he made uh, Rich Kelly did his third film, The Box. So I think he's only directed three films. Yeah, it's it pretty that's it, crazy. Right, yeah,
0: which has been involved in
1: genuinely crazy if you think about. It. He even has his own production company. But I think he'd have more because yeah, I think The uh, Box was around what. 2009 like 2010 like it's been forever and i I really didn't even like that film that's i think that was as well i haven't seen
0: it it. yeah
1: i saw that southland tales was like a shitty movie Mm -hmm. to critics and i watch as a joke
0: does that usually pique your interest because like i'm always interested in in watching rotten tomatoes like right like like sub 10 percent Oh, oh yeah you know what i mean just just not to so so you know that it is one of those but yeah i mean so did it have appeal in that respect where you're like oh why are critics panning this thing like
1: right well it was like it bombed in the box office it's still i think is the worst box office bomb in history really yeah but it had a what 17 million dollar budget and only made six digits <laughs> and it was yeah that's he was so going brutal. for he was going for 50 million and he had to go to his local community college to help with like art stuff because he didn't have the money to like work on it so he the production like the the studio just didn't want him to succeed as much as he wanted
0: yeah
1: uh they were like oh Diane narco was cheap you can
0: do this uh which is strange because you think that because like you know when you get a breakout the studios were usually like all right here's a little bit more leash you know
1: Exactly. So he expected that. And I think because he was so maybe just young and, but Mid-hats. I don't know, like it, it's so, yeah, it's interesting about that. But yeah, I,
0: uh, so, so answering the question, yeah, I, I, just I,
1: I, that's, so I saw it online and then it was Netflix when you got to get like DVDs to the mail.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Okay.
1: So I, I got that. I was like sick for like a week, got that, played it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this movie doesn't make any sense. And I thought about it more. I was like, hold on. And then I watched it again. And I was like, oh, this movie is way ahead of its time.
0: There's right? a lot going on with it. And I yeah, I want to say thank you for providing me with the director's cut of this. I will definitely be watching it. And also the comic book. Because I, mm-hmm. I haven't read it. You've read it. Yeah. So t- tell me yeah. a little bit about how it's different. or like Because it tees up the... Context for the movie right is that what right because
1: you know? yeah the the film is uh but chapters four five and six uh, yeah and it's interesting that chapter six is called wave of mutilation which One is Fav- Pixies. pixies. pixies yeah. yeah and you got to hear that yeah. the the, the, the surfer version of yeah. it yeah. yeah which is uh yeah oh man it's interesting pixies was the first band i ever saw uh live my dad took me to, they did oh, a nice. reunion they did a reunion to her in bend and i seen when kim deal was
0: there awesome yeah i was, also love the strawberries
1: the breeders
0: or the breeders oh my god oh my god i can't believe I just which i that.
1: also have seen killing oh, killing you no. i've seen the breeders before How I, I, I get it because last splash has yeah. uh the strawberry yeah in there. that's true uh you make me sick <laughs> uh, so the yeah the graphic novel uh would school because the artist is brett wadley who's from portland and that's that's really fun they and Richard Kelly just kind of let him
0: do his own thing. Yeah, you were saying you met him at the Emerald City Con.
1: Emerald City Con, con which is my favorite con. Nice. And I was like, oh, this is like, a- oh, I'm from Portland. And
0: BT Scrubs, you want to, a- you want a road trip up there? Let's do it. Yeah,
1: you know, I- I'm coming down. I've been four times and every time I have a yeah. great time. And yeah, he's even come down to my bar where like we've chatted, been homies, and it's-, it's cool. And it's really cool, like seeing a local, like, artists doing that and then doing like surrogates too i think when it comes to the 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 graphic novel in general it really does set things up like he wanted he was going to do a chapters one through six was the plan and then it was going to be seven eight nine for the movie but obviously that changed
0: yeah because in its entirety it was conceived as a nine-part interactive experience right Mm -hmm. first six parts would have appeared as the the graphic novel which, which it does be, oh, but it's also, well, it's one through three, one through, yeah. and then four, right? Oh yeah, four, five, and six being the the film, yeah. And then the final three parts.
1: I I don't know what he has planned for it, but he always says it isn't finished. Every time he looks at it, yeah. it isn't finished. And it, the graphic novels good, but you really it's like fun watching the film first and then going back because you're like, there's questions that don't really kill you. I I feel like the first time me watching it, I was like, oh wait this is actually better than i thought and then going back it's like oh i've l- kind of learned a lot about it and then reading the graphic novel it's like oh there is a uh there's definitely some answers a lot but of course time travel because that's all richard Kelly likes to do is time travel
0: yeah and that that is a central theme with with Dottie dark i don't know about the box but is that what it box, the box
1: is and it boxes like about like chance and, oh, okay. but like what's in the better
0: yeah that's yeah <laughs> uh so i i love dwayne the tooth fairy the rock johnson yeah uh, for sure <laughs> love him also love wallace sean who plays grand nagus zek in deep space nine oh, he's, really? uh he's he's the weird german scientist dude right well he's not german his mother is german but his whole vibe is very interesting <laughs>
1: Well, uh, Richard Kelly wanted actors that felt like they've been typecasted to get a chance in this film.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of which, the, this is like the Rock's least buff movie, and he I, he's, looks he's, so small in it. it. Yeah. When he's wearing that suit, there are other yeah. suits. Like when he's in Fast Nine, like Hell, Black ma- Adam massive, yeah, but Black body. Adam. huge. He's, well, I mean, it's also CGI, but like,
1: but no, he. They, that's the biggest he's been. Oh, really? For his, yeah, for Black Adam. I'm a big to Rack Johnson fan, mainly because of this movie. I was like, Oh, this dude can act. Like I was like, That makes sense. Gosh, Adam. Adam he played the characters. Sh- oh, look, man, that's a Gene and I conversation for like about comic books. Because I loved Black Adam.
0: I liked his arc in Doomsday Clock. See, yeah, but
1: of course, that's, uh, that's a shout out for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: that's that's a also, obsessive palate disorder, <laughs> yeah. always tying it back in, giving the shout outs. Do you have a speaking of characters? Do you have a favorite one or one that you identify with the most?
1: Honestly, Boxer Santeras uh, Dr. Yeah. Johnson's character is so fun to watch because it's genuinely character just like manipulated into thinking he created the script and the way he does his finger thing. Like, yes. where he like twiddles his fingers.
0: Yes, it's such an it's odd, so... an, an odd like twitch for someone like, because we think of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You can't even say Dwayne,
1: I don't like Dwayne Johnson. Johnson. I like Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. yeah, I like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yes, yeah. uh,
0: sometimes I will just say Dwayne the Tooth Fairy Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: like that. Do you know I have a cardboard cut out of him at my house
0: as the Tooth Fairy? Or no, it you
1: know? was he's holding his liquor, uh, Terra tequila. Oh. And uh, I got that for
0: free. So look I took at it. it
1: back home so I can look at it all the
0: time. Perks of owning a bar. Keeps me safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, why don't we jump into the synopsis?
1: All right. Let's do it.
0: All right. No! The film begins with home video footage of July 4th, 2005 celebrations in Abilene, Texas. All of a sudden, a huge bang is heard and a mushroom cloud appears in the sky, which, to be honest, is one of my biggest fears. Like, I'd rather just get wiped out in a flash than (laughs) 5 to 50 miles from a blast. You know what I mean? Like, the fallout radiation sickness is prolonged and devastatingly painful. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine being like, I just want to be done.
1: Right. It, it, it's and they show the home video footage yeah. of like, bang, and then seeing the mushroom cloud and yeah.
0: it was like, holy shit. Like. Yeah. and it, and it's of all places at El Paso and Abilene, Texas. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, it's so odd. Which it it
1: makes sense for when he wrote this,
0: like yeah. hitting up like America's territory right it's like texas yeah like, well, totally and it's it's kind of it speaks to like the anthrax scares and like post-9-11 terrorism scares of like it can happen in your town
1: and the two yeah. bombings and like uh during world war ii you know nagasaki and Hiroshima, like right. the two bombings so that
0: yeah oh yes yeah that's true yeah yeah Oh, huh. i didn't necessarily think about that but that is also very true A narration begins to say that after the detonations of two nuclear weapons in Texas, that America went into chaos with a new World War III situation popping off between Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Syria, and North Korea, which, talk about hitting the nail on the head.
1: It makes total sense.
0: I mean, we had most of that in play already, like, save Syria. So, like, Syria was just, like, kind of a little bit of the foresight there. Anyway, because of this, oil was in short supply, so the government looks to alternative fuel sources. Which, I mean, like, it sucks that the military-industrial complex or, like, military action has driven the development of technology in the 20th century.
1: You can think World War II for a lot of shit like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And World War One. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to think about, like, even at now... If we wanted to fly state to state, we have to have the real ID coming up. And that's something that was a big deal is that you need to have stats. Yeah. Yeah. Between state lines. And I was like, (laughs) the older around the more I'm like, man, this movie is actually becoming way more real.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy how much dystopian movies like really speak to the actuality of our situations at hand.
1: And this is like a whole near future thing when he wrote it, and it was like, oh shit, this is yeah. way more near than like you could kind of look at and be like, that's crazy, and right, that was way more near.
0: Well, it takes place in two in a two thousand and eight situation, and it was what released in two thousand seven. Yeah, it was two thousand. Yeah, sorry, it, it, it was. It's basically an alternate near, super near future. All right, so the Patriot Act is upgraded so much that you need a visa to cross from one state into the next extremists and rebellious groups begin appearing the most known as the neo-marxists to run out of venice beach in los angeles which to be honest they just look like people from venice like i, yeah. I graduated from venice high school oh well, then you're so like, like <laughs> yeah. when i'm seeing these people are like no these are just like regular venice beach goers who yeah. happen to have who happen to know who Karl marx was yeah huh? <laughs> maybe They're like, he's that communist, right?
1: That's what Uh, was a lot of these characters you're like, they...
0: I know (laughs) that guy. (laughs) The narrator begins talking about the upcoming election between Clinton Lieberman, which, I mean, you know, could have been a potential ticket. That was pretty close. Mm -hmm. And uh, Elliot Frost, a fictional pair, uh, and it basically all depends on the votes in California, as it often does. I mean, it just has it's such, so many points. Like, it's just such a huge get
1: and didn't the whole thing it wasn't even like that It was like, we're just gonna do It's pretty much the election is in like California right., like,
0: yeah, yeah like, so it did feel that way, right? Like
1: yeah, cause had, yeah, yeah, because already California florida like texas new york or all the big electoral college like right
0: when you look when that when the map comes up with yeah. talking about the election pilot introduces himself through voiceover and says that he will tell the story of boxer santeros and the journey down the road not taken he then says this is the way the world ends not with a whimper but with a bang the patriot act has extended authority to a new agency known as us debt which keeps constant surveillance on citizens even to the extent of censoring the internet and requiring fingerprints to access computers and bank accounts. I mean, that's, hey, we're yeah. with the whole, um, oh, what was that? With the internet. Like, it's just, it's just, you know, that thing that yeah. Al Gore does. It. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's um, a
1: callback. I like that. <laughs> Oh, it's Brent.
0: Yeah, it is Brent, but he's, <laughs> he's getting weed from some random person in a, in a car, which is fine. This is Portland. It's what you do.
1: Yeah, they were, they were hanging out with, uh, earlier, and they did a Montevilla, and then... Uh, yeah, they Helium too. Nice. I didn't think Brent was going to show up here, but there he is.
0: There he is in the flesh. Oh, boy, Brett. That big old big old beard. That's true. It's iconic. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it was uh, net neutrality okay explain it net neutrality was basically i'm going to i'm shitting i'm going to shit the bed really hard but mm. basically the whole argument about it was autonomy on the internet and free range on the internet
1: mm, okay
0: and how can you censor one thing without censoring all things and and right. that, yeah. that kind of stuff so th- there's more to it where there is an access component and things like that and there is a whole thing about monopoly of ISPs I encourage you to look it up because it is fascinating. I, I? Too, I know, definitely ridiculous. am not doing it justice right now, but uh, net neutrality yeah. is an important thing. Yeah, For or against, I hold on, I, I kind of like, hold on, let me not say that like, net neutrality is an important thing and not say whether you should be for or against <laughs> it. Uh, uh, net neutrality, the principle that internet service providers should enable access to all content and applications regardless of the source and without favoring or blocking particular products or websites. Okay. So I am for net neutrality right vote yes on prop 69 (laughs) (laughs) or is it vote no i never know what's a vote i
1: know it's so funny the way that the word things are like yeah this makes sense like no you're supposed to go no yeah like what
0: yeah it's like they do the double negative shit on yeah this is such a fucking (laughs) bastard thing to do all right in response to the recent fuel shortage in the wake of global warfare the german company trier designs a generator of inexhaustible energy which is propelled by the perpetual motion of ocean currents called fluid karma which is a pretty cool name
1: it is and uh that car commercial in in the movie is incredible fantastic you get to see cars fuck each other
0: yes that is the height of
1: oh yeah i definitely came to that scene multiple times
0: oh yes yeah (laughs) it's its own category now on pornhub
1: (laughs) (laughs) treer yeah
0: yeah they call it treering um However, its inventor Baron von Westphalen and his associates are hiding the fact that the generators alter the ocean's currents and cause the Earth to slow its rotation, and that the transmission of fluid karma to portable receivers, via quantum entanglement of course, is ripping holes in the fabric of space-time. And
1: you know how much is slowing the Earth by? Point Point zero, zero,
0: zero, 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 zero. Six. <laughs> yes. We did not do four tennis of that <laughs> at all. But that was a one and done, folks. That's that's what professionalism is. Yeah. In the then near future, two thousand and eight Los Angeles, referred to as the Southland by locals. Uh, it's a dystopian city on the brink of chaos, overshadowed by the growth of the aforementioned neo-Marxist organization. The film follows the crisscross destinies of Boxer Santeros, an action film actor stricken with amnesia. Krista now a psychic ex-porn star in the midst of creating a reality TV show and twin brothers Roland and Ronald Tavener, whose destinies become intertwined with that of all mankind. I didn't realize that Krista now was a psychic. Her whole show is that it's a psychic. She's a, yeah, she's she's like. Oh.
1: Yeah. She what? Energy drink.
0: You know, um, reality show.
1: Reality show. Album. Pop album, yeah, pop album, Pornogs. yep, and there was something else too, and then yeah, and she's a she's like she hangs out with, what kind of reminds me of the Zoolander crew before the free Gasoline fight because
0: it's the four Freak Gasoline, <laughs> yeah, that's good, that's a good way to put it. That's a, that's a, it's a Freak Gasoline fight, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the group of four. So the Tavador twins are revealed to be the same person by the engineers of Trier, duplicated when Roland traveled through a rift in space-time, while Boxer has become the most wanted man in the world despite his political ties and his having the fate of the future in the form of a prophetic screenplay foretelling the end of the world in his muscular hands. Are
1: they write muscular hands?
0: No, I added that. Okay. Good. Yeah, yes.
1: Yeah, it's kind of incredible to think about the whole like Boxer Santaris, his previous self couldn't handle it and like died. We don't actually really know the true answer of how he died,
0: right? Or his the ego death that he experienced, right. right? Yeah, and
1: then yeah,
0: or even just full on memory or personality death. I hesitate to call it actually an ego death because that usually infers that it's intentionally like I'm gonna take these mushrooms and try right. to explore my psyche, or somebody breaks you like MK Ultra psychic driving style. And that's
1: pretty much like fluid karma for people. It's like you mm-hmm. take it, and then you're able to like.
0: Oh, I keep so okay. I keep forgetting the about the fact that they're like slinging fluid karma.
1: was well, a blue one, a yellow one, but and and it a was like yeah, and then the red. And the red one is yeah. the one that you can See, connect with uh, the past and.
0: Oh. So like. See, I'm sure that a ala- that gets elaborated on more in the director's cut because that it it really there's the only scenes that. Deal with it, or with that kid Martin or Marvin or what have you, and then right. and then with uh, JT's character.
1: Yeah, and the uh, yeah because with
0: that great dance scene,
1: it's it's amazing. But yes. if you didn't fall in love with the killers, you're gonna fall in love with yeah, the absolutely. I also like that uh, Boxer Santeros went back in time. Was it sixty nine minutes too? Yes, so that was good. I love that. <laughs> That's why Roland. I think it was one that we mainly focused on from. Sean William Scott's character, right? It was Roland or was it Ronald?
0: I think that
1: I can't remember I, because it's yeah they're the same person, and the neo Marxists were trying to hide it
0: that they're the same person, right? I think that Ronald is the one that we see that does the interactions, like at first when he does the, the, the dual officer thing. stuff yeah, and the exactly. racist stuff, exactly. Yep, yeah, and and, Ro- and then Roland is the one that count that came through the or no, Roland was the original. Oh yeah. That, okay. That Ronald who, who came through the rift kidnapped. But like, how did Ronald link up with the neo Marxists? And like, you know what I mean? Like, well,
1: like, the neo Marxists ended up
0: kidnapping, kidnapping
1: both of them. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> the the original <laughs> body is still recovering from being connected with that time oh, string, right, the rift. Right. And then the new one is just like Marxus and Darius is confused. That's amnesia.
0: Oh, and oh, I am. it's all coming together now because Trier is running. They're realizing that the rifts are happening. Then they're running experiments on the potential of two coming through. Right. Or two existing in the same time frame. Right. And Boxer and And, energy body didn't survive. Didn't survive. And that so then they need. Yes.
1: The uh, one that went back at 69 minutes.
0: Yes. The Santeros that we are interacting with. Right. But it, so, And then it kind of makes sense at that point because, like, you don't realize, or at least I didn't realize until the end or after kind of watching, because I watched the ending twice just to kind of see what was going on. It is a lot. It's a lot. But Trier is a neo-Marxist himself. Right. And that's where the whole group connection comes into play, trying to get—because I don't know, it, it is his intent to have them shake hands and— create a like to blow up reality right like uh, it's a
1: cult well i think i well i think what happens well obviously it's just a giant cult and they were trying to stop it for a long time and then i think the yeah i think ultimately the leader was just like we can learn from this because as much as it kind of explains that reality ends we don't know if reality truly ends or if it's their reality
0: right or if it's a paradox or like yeah as this Timeline ceases and branches off because of the nature of those other two time frames interacting. All right, we might as well just get into a more detailed description of the ending sequence because a lot does happen in a fairly small amount of time. downtown L.A., there are riots occurring on the streets. A police force soon arrives, but this is just the tip of the iceberg. Soon after, Walter's ice cream van, and that's the arms dealer, uh, begins driving through this chaos in the streets. Out of nowhere, Martin's SUV cuts in front of them at the crossroads, and the ice cream truck crashes into the ATM machine, sending the truck spiraling into the air. Martin skids to a stop while Ronald notices the ice cream truck. And that's to backtrack a little bit that Martin was the kid that was dealing the fluid and, karma yeah fluid karma and that's connected to justin to justin timberlake's character who has yeah. doing who's you know running that and other stuff he for should support. have died during the friendly, the friendly fire fire and which you also find out was roland's fault
1: right and that's why roland isn't able to forgive himself yeah because of that because he thinks he's dead that entire time
0: yeah yeah on board the mega zeppelin cindy is on the phone with terry who's like when she's just like in the streets, just like half a dodge shot. And she does get lit up, though, while fighting in the riots. Boxer approaches Serpentine and asks if he's still alive, as Serpentine being, uh, mm-hmm. fuck buddy, and who just dances her way through the whole Zeppelin, which is kind of a fun scene. Serpentine replies in more ways than one. Boxer realizes that she was there to make sure Ronald traveled through the time rift with him, and she was the one who killed the past Boxer, not himself, confirming that he didn't commit suicide. Right, because he a pimp. That's right. And pimp pimps don't kill themselves. No. No, pimps, pimp's don't, don't commit, suicide.
1: commit suicide. Yeah, there we go.
0: There it is.
1: That's uh, an. That's what got me to want to watch the movie because I saw the trailer for that and I have that quote.
0: It's a great quote, and he delivers it well. And I feel like that line got him the show, ballers.
1: Oh yeah, and uh, and he's a manager in that. Yeah, he's yeah. managing these nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: sure is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Boxer asks Serpentine, uh, were Ronald and Roland even twins? She says that they are two identical souls walking the face of the earth, coexisting in the same domain of chaos. She asks Boxer what would happen if the two of them shake hands, perhaps. That's a little bit of foreshadowing for you. Mm. Boxer says that the fourth dimension would collapse and the universe would be destroyed, as per his screenplay, of course. Yeah. He turns around and sees Senator Bobby Frost, Madeline, Vaughn, and Brant staring at him. He walks up to them and says that the Mega Zeppelin is a tower of fire, that they must evacuate everyone off the Zeppelin now. Back in downtown L.A., Ronald grabs a gun and climbs out of the ice cream truck when Roland finally sees him. Roland and Martin get out of the SUV and hide beside him. Oh, I guess Roland is the one who travels. Yeah, Ronald's the original. Ronald notices Roland for the first time, but is caught off guard when Ronald is shot in his eye. Which sucks. Dad. Yeah, that, that must be... Yeah, I'm uh Seeing this, Roland... Uh, seeing this, uh... Seeing this, Roland runs toward Ronald and tries to help him up. Martin tends to Walter, who is badly hurt, and he takes the rocket launcher that Zora was looking at earlier in the film and hands it to Martin. Ronald climbs inside the ice cream truck, and once he grabs Roland's hand, they seem to fuse with a white light shining from their hands. The ice cream truck begins to float in the sky, with Martin standing on top of it with the rocket launcher. A strange aura is beaming out from the ice cream truck and over the LA skyline. On board the Mega Zeppelin, Krista and her three friends are the memory gospel dancers, which I swear it was an
1: it was a scene just to have Moby just
0: play mm. music. That was it. Yes. Uh well and also though the rock is he's a pretty decent dancer for a big guy. I mean yeah, the, a yeah, lot Moby. of kind of like muscular guys are very like, like very yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Uh they're on stage wearing gas masks and dancing to Moby Memory Gospel. At this time, also at U.S. Iden, all the power is shut off, leaving Nana Mae Frost by herself inside of her office. She hits the panic button, and immediately many rioters, including Fortunio, who's Will Sasso's character is right. awesome, thanks for seeing Will Sasso. Right here, <laughs> it's all uh, Mad TV. Yes, I do love Mad TV. Love Will Sasso. He's also great in a drunk history episode about Al Cap.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyway, they break inside the building, killing all the workers, and then finally shooting her down inside of her office. Boxer sees Krista performing on the stage, so he walks onto stage and begins slow dancing with her. She says it had to be this way. He replies, I know. Cryptic as fuck. Uh, <laughs> Madeline sees this also and walks on stage as well. The two women began dancing with Boxer, and it's just such a weird scene. It's like, like a
1: weird sparring, like...
0: Like, are they flexing? Are they cool with each other? Yeah, like...
1: it's, that's a true threesome, is just dancing.
0: Well, and very much respectfully, though, he does step out and let the two women dance, yeah. so... Yeah. <laughs> Madeline tells Krista that Boxer will die, but Krista just says that there's nothing that anyone could do about it. Boxer lets the two women continue dancing with each other, and he stands back and takes his gun out and fires it into the air. I mean, like, like all of this. It was
1: was weird for that moment. It's
0: just so weird. I'm going to have to read like some sort of hyper nerd dive into like, what is this all about?
1: Specifically the dance scene. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it seems like there is a reason for it, but it's, it's missing me. Boxer then puts the gun to his head and tells everyone to leave the atrium and to move to the rear of the mega zeppelin or he will kill himself. And this time he means it.
1: Yeah. Oh, Bar- my God! I
0: what <laughs> <such>. <laughs> well, and then the Jesus imagery with the bleeding uh, effigy on it. Oh,
1: yeah, on his back?
0: Yeah. All right. Baron assures everyone that nothing is wrong and tells everyone to remain seated. Inside the ice cream truck, Roland is trying to let go. When Ronald refuses, he puts a gun to his head. As this argument continues inside the truck, Martin is still standing on top holding the rocket launcher. He places it on his shoulder and aims it at the mega Zeppelin. Back on that mega zeppelin, Baron is trying to talk some sense into Boxer. Boxer tells him that this is all in his head, and by pulling the trigger, he can finally wake up. That's a Richard Kelly.
1: Oh, cla- that's straight out Don Darkenston.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Baron says that their mission is to dethrone capitalism, dethrone God, which is the neo-Marxist mantra. Which I mean, to be honest, pretty good mantra. I'm not upset. I'm not mad at it. Uh, boxer <laughs> tells him that he isn't who he wants. It's Ronald. Roland asks Ronald if he remembers what happened in Fallujah. Ronald tells him that he remembers everything now, referencing what happens with the Friendly Fire, you know, the friendly fire yeah. with Pilot Abilene, which is kind of a cool name.
1: I know. I actually do love Justice Aberlake's. I think the character was an actor, too, and then Force because yeah. they were doing the Force draft right because of World War III.
0: Yes. yes. Yep. Outside of the atrium, Cindy is staring out at the LA skyline as she spots the glowing floating ice cream truck and a man armed with a rocket launcher on top of it. Martin fires said rocket launcher toward the Mega Zeppelin. On board the Mega Zeppelin, Boxer puts down his gun and assumes the Messiah pose and his tattoo of Jesus Christ on his back begins to bleed through his shirt. Why the religious imagery? I mean, you know, it just seems a little shoehorned in. Well i i uh I are read... as a commentary but like
1: well i read uh an interesting article about this after watching it the first time and this is a retake on the book of revelations mm. and so that's why and i'm not a religious guy myself so i don't really know it that well
0: i i read it once in college just because i was like this is a metal thing to do you know, to <laughs> shit. Yeah, know what i'm gonna kill a 12 pack of hams and fucking Dude, read Revelations. revelations. a good way to camp yeah <laughs> yeah definitely. So uh, that rocket kills everybody aboard the mega Zeppelin. Martin watches it fall down among the streets and he assumes the Messiah pose himself and drops off of the ice cream truck uh, committing suicide because I mean, he was gonna get drafted anyway plus you're also stuck right. on top of this ice cream truck so like how are you gonna get it down?
1: And someone said that A, he was supposed to be the angel of death so he uh, fulfilled his
0: duty and they the yeah yeah that makes sense. Inside the ice cream truck, Roland repeatedly says, I forgive you to Ronald, who keeps responding in turn, Friendly Fire, which it's actually Pilot Abilene talking through Mm Ronald, telling him that all is forgiven between the two of them and what happened to Fallujah. Roland finally puts down his gun and gives in. I think it's a a voiceover. Pilot says, Revelation 21, and God wiped the tears from his eyes so the new Messiah could see out to the new Jerusalem. His name was Officer Roland Tavener of Hermosa Beach, California my best friend. He's a pimp, and pimps don't commit suicide."
1: could you ever end a movie with a quote like that like that's just the best
0: it is a great one
1: and that goes that connection that he is the messiah and he kind of gets two different colored eyes so it's like that they connect together and so the thought of it is that they survived and so possibly the next three chapters would be through him connecting Mm -hmm. with both because it's the new world
0: yeah stands to reason because now uh, it'll be a post-fluid karma world And, and like, are we going to go back to our old ways? Are we going to try to find a new way forward? Whether, what are the consequences of either of those, you know, situations? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, all in all, it's, I, I'm a rewatcher. Definitely going to rewatch this. And I have to. I've seen it damn near 10 times. I'm going to have to rewatch twice on the director's cut. Mm -hmm. So thank you for dropping that on me. I appreciate it. Thank you for bringing this to my attention because we were sat outside of Alley Cat. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah and uh i i was like what do we want to do you're like southland tales i was like i literally have never heard of it at first i thought it was like a comic book series and i was like i'm doing a lot of those recently which is fine there's a lot of you you have to dedicate some time to reading like a 30 issue something
1: well you get kind of comic book with it
0: yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, well so much like the animatrix like i love that oh the animatrix is good dude like so anything supplementary that provides more context to things i'm super into it
1: and southern deals after i watched it like it was like three times i was like oh my god i think this is my favorite sci-fi well so this is my favorite sci-fi film it used like i said used to be blade runner so it was southern deals and blade runner 2049 mm -hmm. and then this one 2049 is good yeah it's like and yeah or sorry I should say Blade Runner but yeah Blade Runner 2049 did even you in my opinion is the best director I've never seen a better director Enemy is my favorite film of all time I haven't seen it oh my god it is I'm check it out it's incredible and it's got Jake Gyllenhaal discovering like someone who looks just like him
0: nice and
1: it's seriously it's incredible
0: I um, do love uh, movies with Jake Gyllenhaal when he discovers things. Right. <laughs> well, and then didn't shout even... Shut up, back
1: <laughs> And then didn't even... You also did Prisoners, which had Jake Gyllenhaal in it. And that's incredible, too. Have you ever seen that one?
0: I have not. Oh, that... Well, Last Jake that's a very That's a very real...
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> On an airplane.
1: Yeah, you might as well just watch uh, sh- Ambulance, too. I just <laughs> I that had that had. That's...
0: Uh, is that another one of his That's vehicles? so late like, yeah like, yeah like, the Joe and Hall vehicle?
1: Well and then what didn't Jake Joe and also do that? It was like a Netflix movie where he was a nine one one operator too.
0: Like I'm surprised he wasn't in this.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah. He's he's everywhere. So exactly. it makes sense. You got Donnie Darko, he's you know Dynamite. He's yep. a dynamo. Oh man, you
0: Him and Maggie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Maggie Jaw is amazing. Yes. I love it. Yeah, Maggie. The secretary, I mean mm-hmm. Dark Knight. Oh,
0: Dark yeah. Knight, yeah. yeah. Wait, Brandon King Holmes. Oh, agreed. Oh, hey, yeah. it's out. All right. So, Liam, what's coming up in your comedy schedule? Tell me about, like, mics that you like and shows that you're going
1: to... Oh, man. So, right now, I... Well, I was going to do, uh, was it Robbie Sherman and Niraj's uh, preach? preach? Yeah, right. uh, that, that but then it, it got snow, Yeah, you yep, got snowed out. I man. got snowed out. So I will be there on 420, baby. Nice. Yeah, day before our birthday. 420 just 421. Is Here we uh, go. Nice. Otherwise, I just go and do some work with uh, Soul of Wit. And Shout
0: out Ty Boys. Yep.
1: Yeah, and so you'll see me around Salem and like Roseburg and stuff like that. And now oh, yeah. I'm gonna try to be getting into more Eugene shows
0: coming up. Very nice. Well, so. doing the whole Oregon corridor, right? The, yeah. The whole five corridor, making it happen. If you, like, uh, if you follow me on
1: Instagram, you'll see all the posters on there and know where I'm at and what I'm doing.
0: Nice. What was that again? It was very complicated. It
1: Irish mailman comedy. Oh, no, there And it's just, otherwise you look up Liam Ridell and it's ah. on there. I should just change it to Liam Riddell comedy. But I started this year ago, well, almost a year ago with Instagram. I still think I'm clever, so I'm going to keep
0: it. All letter. right. Well, you know, look, much like bits that you try to make work, yeah. maybe one day it'll land. <laughs> Liam, thanks for joining me. man. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Definitely see you around. And uh, I will eventually get these things back to you
1: hey and this is the way the podcast ends
0: that this is how it ends this is the way the podcast ends (laughs) that's right hell yeah it's always a fun time hanging with liam whether it's here in portland or when a group of us pile into the trusty subaru for a jaunt down to salem to check out the infinity room open mic on wednesdays thanks again for loaning me the graphic novel for chapters one through three and the director's cut for the full purview on the available series so far. Alrighty, let's rip open the fabric of space-time for some facts about Southland Tales. Richard Kelly sent the organizers of the 2006 Cannes Film Festival a rough cut of the film on DVD assuming that it would not be accepted. Much to his surprise, they loved it and wanted the film entered in competition for the Palme d'Or. He stopped editing the film and was also unable to complete all of the visual effects in time for the screening. Kelly's film premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in May of 2006 with a runtime of 160 minutes. He described the negative reaction at Cannes as a, quote, very painful experience on a lot of levels, but ultimately felt that the film was better off because of it. The film did score the lowest reviews for the 2006 Cannes Film Festival, averaging 1.1 out of 5 in all of the dailies. A scene that never made it into the Cannes cut involves Boxer, right after Starla gets shot, bleeding back in time to the 1920s and meeting Inge von Westphalen as a young fortune teller. Pilot Abilene's cryptic reference to Black Umbrellas is an orphaned reference to this deleted scene. After the film's festival release, it was purchased by Sony Pictures, at which point director Richard Kelly added special effects which cost an estimated $1 million on top. Regarding casting, Kelly consciously sought out actors that he felt had been pigeonholed and wanted to showcase their undiscovered talents. Casting The Rock was an excellent choice as he delivered possibly the best performance in the movie, but that's just a personal fact. Sarah Michelle Gellar's husband, Freddie Prince Jr., was a scriptwriter for World Wrestling Entertainment from 2008 to 2009. His grandmother, who introduced him to pro wrestling when he was a child, temporarily stopped talking to Gellar after learning that she made this film with Dwayne Johnson because she hated Johnson's wrestling character, The Rock, so much for turning heel. That's wrestling jargon for switching from a good guy to a bad guy and joining the corporation, a stable of villains led by WWE owner Vince McMahon. You know, wrestling nerds are a whole nother caliber of nerddom that I just haven't ventured into, but I have a feeling that they have more in common with drama nerds than not. There are many references to the movie Kiss Me Deadly and a nod to the graphic novel Watchmen. At one point in the film, Sarah Michelle Gellar is wearing a trench coat similar to the female character in Kiss Me Deadly, and Boxer even drives the same car that Mickey Spillini drives in the film. Kiss Me Deadly is even shown on the TV early in the film and at the end as well. There are many smiley faces with red marks on them in the dancing scene with Justin Timberlake, alluding to the comedian's smiley face badge that symbolizes the Watchmen series. The police cruisers in the film have a Latin quote on the side of them, Odarent dum metuant. Fucking nailed that, probably. Uh, It's a famous saying from the Roman Emperor Caligula, meaning, Let them hate, so long as they fear. The line, We saw shadows of the morning light, shadows of the evening sun, Till the Shadows and the Light Were One is from the Jane's Addiction song Three Days, which is featured on the soundtrack of the film. Simon Theory, the heavy set, camouflage wearing man in the Marx suite on the Mega Zeppelin, is designed after Karl Marx himself, straight down to the raggly beard. I wonder what Marx would have thought about the commentary in this film. Also, he'd be like, What's a movie? While Southland Tales has earned some degree of a cult following in the years since it was released, it is a far more niche following than the wider community has yet to accept. The reaction it received at Cannes remains an accurate depiction of the final product, an overlong, overambitious failure. But Southland Tales also remains an utterly fascinating failure, one that can proudly stand as one of the most unique and imaginative films in modern cinema. It may not be the masterpiece Kelly had envisioned, but with obvious love radiating from every frame, it's hard not to admire his ambition. And besides, Richard Kelly may not be the luckiest man in Hollywood, but he is one of the most interesting, and that's a success story in and of itself. Oof, alright, I'm always so thirsty after talking about time travel based movies. Good thing it's time for some water cooler facts. (sighs) Richard Kelly has a knack for exploring stories that deal with premonitions, time travel, and dimensional rifts, and we've talked about the nature of time travel, both forward and backwards, on the show, as well as the various paradoxes one could potentially encounter whilst traipsing throughout the ages. But Southland Tales takes an interesting approach with the actual science behind those pesky dimensional rifts, in this case the fluid karma machines, and the way that they harness the perpetual motion of the ocean's currents to generate limitless energy, which, to be honest, sounds pretty awesome. And I hope we do develop some way to non-intrusively harness the ocean's immense power to generate energy, because, much like in the film, we're going to need some alternative fuel sources like yesteryear. But how much energy would it take to actually travel through time, that is to generate a stable wormhole that one would be able to successfully pass through, preferably unharmed? Good question, past me, because that's a bit difficult to answer, being that the question is inherently hypothetical, meaning that the actual figures and equations are not able to be tested in practicality. However, there are two theories for time travel that are most popular, wormhole tunneling and cosmic strings. A wormhole is a hypothetical bi-directional tunnel connecting two space-time locations. Physicist Michio Kaku doesn't entirely rule this possibility out, but he cautions that powering a time machine to travel in this way is beyond human capabilities right now and would demand either negative energy or the energy of a star. Physicist Brian Green, a string theory expert, doubts that this kind of approach could ever work. The other popular theory focuses on cosmic strings, thin energy tubes that theoretically stretch all the way across the universe, which is continually expanding. Some predict that these narrow spaces, holdovers from the earliest days of the cosmos, contain tremendous amounts of mass. This mass would allow the strings to warp whatever space-time surrounds them. Princeton astrophysicist J. Richard Gott points out that cosmic strings are either in the shape of loops without ends or are infinite. If two such things were configured the right way, they might bend space-time in a way that could allow for time travel, in theory. However, according to Gott, this would be capable only for a super-civilization, much higher on the Kardashev scale than we are, which is a method of measuring a civilization's level of technological advancement based on the amount of energy it is able to use. The measure was proposed by Soviet astronomer Nikolai Kardashev in 1964 and has come to bear his name since. Bill Nye weighs in on this question for kids by referring to heat and energy which always spreads out. In other words, entropy. Without outside intervention, heat will not spontaneously concentrate somewhere. Instead, it will disperse toward cooler places. What does this have to do with time travel? Well, when something spreads outward and moves across a distance, it does so over time. This, he says, means that the time and the spreading out of energy are closely related. It is this intimate connection that prevents us from building time machines. There's a great article on Wired.com by Rhett Elaine where he determines the time travel formula used by Doc Brown in Back to the Future based on clues from the movie. Turns out that 1.21 gigawatts is not all too infeasible. All in all, despite how often sci-fi predicts or even dictates technological development, I think that in the case of time travel, that tech will likely remain well outside of our reach. For now. And possibly forever. I'd like to thank my sources for this episode, which include futurism.com, nofilmschool.com, popsequentialism.com, inverse.com, IMDB, and of course Wikipedia. Because if it's on Wikipedia, it's probably from 69 minutes into the future. Next week's episode brings us back to one of my favorite places in Portland, Growler's Taproom on Southeast 82nd, where you'd usually catch me performing at either a mic or showcase, or battling out during some Star Trek trivia, which takes place on Thursdays at 8. Except this time I'll be talking with guest bartender Cody instead of against him about the Star Trek Lower Decks animated series. You can catch that episode airing Tuesday, March 21st from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. Follow at ShadyPinesRadio on the Instagram machine for updates on what's coming up in the Shady Pines event schedule and check us out online at ShadyPinesRadio.com for great music and shows from incredibly talented people broadcasting 24 hours a day from right here in beautiful Portland, Oregon. And beyond. Until then, why don't you fill the void that is existence with this hilarious set from Liam. Enjoy while you live long and prosper, my fellow nerds.
1: my ex was really into the idea of a threesome and i wasn't i just consider i guess me just being lazy she called me traditionalist but nah it's i could barely satisfy her in bed so how could you add another one into the mix <laughs> just, too involved oh no <laughs> it's gonna be nasty rumors about me And then uh, if a guy's involved, I'm not very strong. I'll just be pushed off the bed at that point. (laughs)